Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we're getting there. That's right. Guys, it's good to be, a good day to be in church this morning. I'm so glad to be here. Guess what today is? Today is um, one of the, it's a big, it's a moment. You're going to look back at today and say, I was there. I was there the last time City Church had one service because next week we're going into how many services? A two, yeah, two services next week. That's right. So we're growing. God's doing good things. We're starting to fill up. We, we timed it with this thing because we knew the balloon fiesta was here. And we thought, we looked at the calendar and thought, oh, we could, because we're, we're, pushing, we're pushing the edge. We thought we could split people. Oh, no, no, but then, then they're, oh, no. And then, oh, no, oh, no. And we thought, we don't, we're not going to, as soon as balloon fiesta is done, that next Sunday will be the Sunday. Because we just knew Balloon Fiesta always takes us a little bit of a, a hit on attendance. We thought the week after Balloon Fiesta, this place is going to be packed. And so we've been packed up until Balloon Fiesta. And so we thought next Sunday we're going to be launching two services, going from one to two. I tell you what, I'm super excited about it because our church has been growing and, and we've been seeing God doing amazing things. We, we, we've seen all kinds of great things happening, right? It's been, it's been really good. We've seen people getting saved and, and baptized. And, and last week we baptized three people. Wasn't that incredible? That was just amazing to see what God is doing in our midst. I mean, God is really using our church to help people grow closer to Jesus. And isn't that just incredible? It is just incredible to see God doing that in our midst and, and through the church, through your church, through our church. It's just, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. Guys, if you are a guest with us, I'd love to get to know you. Um, and uh, my name is Matt. If, uh, my wife, Amber, and I are the pastors here at the church. The fastest and easiest way for you to get to know us is type guest in to the number into the office. And, um, and there's a little form we have you fill out, and that helps us to kind of get to know each other. We like to make new friends, and so that's a simple way for you to say hey and for us to go hey back. So we'd love to get to know you. At the same time in our service, we also um, do our, receive our tithes and offerings. And, uh, and so we have kind of two ways to do it. We have the digital way. You can go to our website or you can click. Um, if you click giving to that, it actually just clicks you a link to our website. So you can go to our website and, uh, or click in giving and, and give electronically there. Um, or if you want to go analog with paper or checks or cash, there's also drop boxes um, throughout the building if you want to uh, participate that way. You know, we believe that, that God has given to us so much, and out of his generosity to us, we continue to be generous, generous people. And the Bible has a whole thing about tithing and tithes and offerings and, and the command and the blessings that go with that, and so we just celebrate that, and we just love to follow the Lord in obedience in that way. And so, guys, we are um, in the middle of two different series and, uh, and if, you have followed, if you hang around a lot, you realize we typically go in three or four week series every, every, every three or four weeks. And then the timing of it, it was like there was no series. And I'm like, what am I supposed to preach on? I don't even know. Like, do you ever, do you, ever you don't ever get there because you're not a preacher. But, but preachers do this. We, 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 we map this out and we have calendars and, and we prepare what we're going to preach on. And, and I have the whole next series kind of rough outlined and ready to go. And, but then it's like this little lump, little spot in the middle. And I thought, what am I going to preach on? I spent so much time just trying to decide what to preach on. Because it's like, well, I could preach about this. I could preach about that. I, could pre I mean, the Bible's a big book. There's a lot in there, you know. And, and, and so it was like, oh, my gosh. And so I just thought I'm going to preach on last week and this week things that I believe that God is stirring in our church 
in this moment, in this time. And I believe today is a day that I honestly think it's going to be a breakthrough for somebody in our church, maybe even for everyone in our church, maybe for our entire church. Because I believe that God is doing something big in our midst. I really do. And, and I'm so excited to see what God is up to um, even here. You know, our, our church is one of these churches that, um, that I, it's, what I love about it is that we are kind of a multi-church. I don't know if you know that. We're kind of a, a multi-church. In fact, we love to say that we're multi-generational in, in the sense that, 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 that we are a church of all ages. And, and, and we're specifically trying to reach the next generation because if you don't, you die, right? Like, that's kind of the thing. Like, if you don't reach the next generation, there's a problem. And so we're a church of all ages, and we're multi-generational doing that. You know that we are, we are multi-ethnic, right? If you look around the room, yeah, I'm a bald white guy, but, but if you look around the room, you see every different shade of skin that you can find because we have every different type of person inside of our church. I believe it's a representation of what heaven's going to look like. We're going to be multi-ethnic because uh, everybody's included in who God is doing. And I love that about our our church. I think it's incredible. I want to tell you what, that, that I also think that our church is going to be a few other multis in the future. I think that we're going to be a multi-site church at some point. We're going to be a multiplying church at some point. We will be planting churches. We will be reaching new people. We will be sending things. I believe that our church is not just going to be a small little corner church hidden inside of a warehouse, but I believe that God has called our church to be something that will be, have a multiplying impact everywhere that it goes. I think our church is going to have a multi-state impact where we start sending teams of people to plant churches in other parts of the country, maybe even a multi-country impact where we send teams to go plant churches in other parts of the world. Guys, we're just getting started, and I think that our church is growing, but, but I want to tell you that, that God is up to something big, and I think he's in the multiplication business, and I think he's going to do it right here inside of us, in between us. Today is the day, I think, that you'll look back and say, I remember then we were that tiny little church down in the, that little building down on 2nd Street in a warehouse. Because I believe that God's going to use us to start to reach more and more people in order to have a bigger and a bigger impact everywhere that we go. Sometimes we can look at the places that, that God, the dreams that God has put into our heart, and, and, and maybe, maybe you're not alone in this. Well, maybe you've done this, but maybe you haven't. But I want to suggest that I think everybody has struggled with this idea of having a dream in your heart of what God has called you to do in your life and struggled with the idea of, do I really want to do this or should I just quit? Have you ever been in a place where you just wanted to quit? The challenge looked too big, the, the obstacles were, were too high, and you were just weren't sure how you were going to get to where you wanted to get to. And so today I want to talk about quitting. And so what do you call someone who keeps quitting on their diet plan? A deserter. <laughs> That's right. There was a couple of you wondering, is like, did he skip the dad jokes? No, my friend, <laughs> I did not skip the dad jokes. You know, I've decided to put an end to my addiction to deli meats. I am quitting cold turkey. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, you're welcome. I'll be here next week. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> quitting cold turkey. That's right. I'm quitting it. No more. You know, sometimes people quit when they're just on the verge of breakthrough. There's a, there's a famous story that, that maybe many of you have heard, but, but many of you haven't. And so there's a story about this guy who, who his name is Darby, and he went out west for the gold rush, and, and he staked his claim and decided that he was going to mine in this one area, and he started digging into the ground, and he found an ore, a vein of ore in the mountain. Well, he didn't have the equipment to ore it to get it all out of the mountain. So he went back east, back to his family and his friends, and raised the money, came back out to the west coast, and bought all the equipment to be able to mine that, 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 to, ore the, to mine the ore out of the ground. 
And he made a bunch of money off of that gold. He made, off, made so much money that as he's mining it out, he made enough money he was able to pay off all of the loans he took in order to get the equipment to get the mine going. And as soon as he paid off all of the equipment and, and, and he was just at the final breaking point, he's like, I am now at the place where everything I make from here forward is now profit. And he was so excited and the, and the vein of ore that he was chasing stopped. And he kept digging and digging in the mine. He couldn't find any more ore. He kept digging and digging and, and, and he was frustrated. And, and so finally, one day, he's just like, I- I'm done. Like, I, I, I had my run and I, I didn't lose money, but I didn't make money. But, you know, I, I'm just, I'm done. So he sold his stuff. He sold the mine and, and the, the equipment and everything that he had. He sold it to a junker for, for pennies on the dollar. And he went back east and, and just forgot about it. Well, the guy that was the, the scrap metal guy and the, the scrapper, he said, well, I mean, I've not really into mining, but I'll give it a shot. So he starts kind of tinkering around in the mine, and so he gets down there and digs a few. He digs three more feet, and he finds one of the largest veins of gold ore in that area, made millions and millions of dollars back in that day, would be probably billions of dollars today. Darby, the guy that worked so hard, stopped three feet short of the biggest vein and the biggest payout that he could have possibly had. He could have possibly had Think about it. Sometimes we stop just short of our breakthrough. Sometimes we stop just short of where um, God wants to do something big in your life. All over this room, there are promises that have not yet been possessed by God's people because we've quit too early. Because we quit too early. And the going might be tough and the obstacles are real and and the challenges are hard. But, 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 but But the promises are real. And sometimes we just don't know what God's timing is in the midst of the promises he's given us. God loves to speak promises, and you love to grab onto those, but I want a timeline. God, can you just tell me when this is going to happen? All right, I want to know, I want to know the steps. I want to know all 10 steps. I want to know what, the, what I'm going to have to do and a timeline and a calendar. God, can you just put this in the iCal and seek it up to my phone so that I know exactly how to schedule my life around your promises so that I can get the maximum? That isn't how it works. That's just not how it works, because if it was that way, you would think that you did it. And, and, and it would not require the faith necessary to rely on God for his timing. Because I think that working really hard for two years should get me the payout that I wanted to get. Or maybe it's three years. Or maybe you've been working on something for all of your life, having a vision and a dream of what God put into your life, and you think, it's going to happen one of these days. But you just get tired and weary and you just don't know what the steps are and you don't know what the timing is. I can tell you what, there's a story in the Bible that relates to this very exact thing. And for many of you that have grown up reading the Bible, the story of Jericho is one that's so popular. And everybody knows about the the, the marching around the walls and the falling. But, But maybe you're new to the story or maybe you haven't read it in a while. And so if you turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 6 today. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was shut up tight, inside and out, because the people of Israel. Wait a minute. Jericho knew about the people of Israel, and they shut their doors, and they locked them tight. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, with its king and its mighty men of valor. It's interesting that, that, that the, the, their reputation had gotten there. Now, if, if you're not familiar, this is where Moses and the Israelites had wandered in the desert for 45 years. The generation had died off, and they said, okay, now it's our time to come and take the promised land. 
During 45 years of them stalling in the desert, the legends of the Israelites in the desert had preceded them. These are the group of people that that their God parted the Red Sea so that they could walk across on dry land. These are the people that that God rained down food from heaven so that they would have something to eat every day in the desert to keep the millions of people alive that were part of the the people. There There was a, they had street cred. The word on the street had preceded them to the place where these guys knew that, that the Israelites were coming. The guys in Jericho knew that the Israelites were coming, and they knew that this army was coming, and that, and that they believed that their God had given them this land, and so they were on their way to take hold of the promise that God had given them. And the J- people in Jericho, they'd heard, so they shut the doors they hoisted up the fences. They, 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 they prepared everything. They, they brought in all of their stuff. They probably stockpiled the supplies ready for a long siege to be able to be there and to be able to withstand or outweigh the Israelites as they were coming against them. And so they're coming, and Joshua said, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its mighty men of valor. Now, I, I think if Joshua were to look, he would say, I don't see that you've given it to me. In fact, if anything, I see a city that is ready to fight, not one that is ready to to cave. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once, thus you shall do for six days. Seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, then you hear the sound of the trumpet, and then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. Let seven priests bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Covenant. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed man pass on before the Ark of the Lord. Just as Joshua commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets, and with the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord following them. And the armed men were walking before the priests who were blowing the trumpets, and the the rear guard was walking after the Ark while the trumpets blew continually. But Joshua commanded the people, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout, and then you shall shout. So he caused the ark of the Lord to circle the city, going about it once. And they came into the camp and spent the night in the camp. Hold on a minute. God gave Joshua this elaborate strategy. You're going to do this for one day and then another day. And then on the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times and then you're going to shout. But Joshua didn't tell the people that. Did you pick up on that? He's like, you're going to go first. This is going to go second. All y'all are going to follow behind and you're not going to say a peep. You're going to be quiet. Let's go march around the city. And everybody is like, okay. They silently walk around the city and they come back to the camp and camp. He didn't tell them you're going to do this for seven days. He didn't tell them the whole strategy. He just told them what they're going to do today. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. Oh, wait. And the trumpets blew continually. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned into the camp. And so they did for six days. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day they marched around the city seven times. And on the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. It's interesting to, 
interesting to see how this played out. You can picture it, can't you? The guys in the trumpets, the ark behind, all the people. Imagine if you were the guys in Jericho. You've heard these terrible, terrible stories. You've heard these, these, these rumors. The word on the street is that these guys are, are ferocious fighters, that these guys are ready. They're going to come and take your city. And you're, and you're waiting and you're on the fence and you're on the top of the walls looking down. What are these guys going to do? And they come across with a rock band, a shiny box, and a troop of people just walking behind in silence. And you're up there and you're watching. And it's like, doo-doo-doo. And they're going around your city. And, and, and you're thinking, any moment they're going to attack. Any moment they're going to attack. Any moment they're going to attack. And then they just walk off back to their camp. The guys in Jericho are probably thinking, what the heck was that? That was weird. They have a weird way of fighting, you know. And, and, and so then, sure enough, the next day, it happens again. Here comes the trumpets. Here comes the shiny box. Here comes the big long line of soldiers with all of their stuff ready to fight. But, but, but everybody's silent. All you can hear is the trumpets going. Now you've got the rock band serenading you and you've got the box and the people. And the guys on the top are watching as they're walking around. I imagine on day two, they're like, oh, this is the day that they're going to attack. This is the time when it's going to happen. This is what's going to... And, and, and then nothing. And then day three and day four. I imagine by day five, they're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know how it is. In the first day of Balloon Fiesta, at 5 a.m., the helicopters are happening, right? You're like, ooh, it's a Balloon Fiesta. By day five, you're like, make the helicopter stop. <laughs> I need a day off. I don't want to wake up at five in the morning anymore with all the helicopters and their chicka, 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 and the traffic and the just, just make it stop. Out, the Jericho guys are probably in there just like, whatever, we surrender, just stop with the band and the music. And so they're like, make it stop. And every day they're out there, doo, 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 and they're walking around and they're walking around and they're walking around and they're walking around. And, 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 and it's just like, oh my gosh, when's this going to happen? Could you imagine on day number seven? Because this is what happens, day number seven, and the seven priests, wait, here we go, the second day, there we go, number 15, verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city the same manner seven times. Could you imagine these guys sitting on the wall, like probably picking their teeth, scratching their nails? Come on, guys, like we've sharpened our swords, we're ready to go. They walk around the thing, and they're like, yeah, and then all of a sudden they'd go again. Oh, they're, they're going again, what's going to happen? And then again... And then again, and they're like, my, what, what are these people doing? Complete silence, other than a couple of horns playing some music. And the story goes on. You can continue to read through. But on the seventh time, they stop. And the Israelites who have surrounded Jericho let out a massive shout. A massive shout. They, they, they shout at the top of their lungs. They have seven days of pent-up silence that they, they just want to get released. They're like, about time we can do this. And they shout. And then as they shout, the walls crumble and the whole thing falls. And the Israelites storm the city and completely dominate it. And they own the entire thing. They, they completely dominate the battle. When you look at this thing, you, you, can, you can see a few things. Is this, is, is number one is this, is that, is that our perspective is obstructed. Our perspective is obstructed. You see, you and I, we have a promise that God has spoken over our lives. He's put something inside of you. And you have something in you that you know that you, God has given you something that's bigger than what you are. He's put a promise in your life. He spoke something into you. And you know it's there. And it can be so frustrating sometimes when you, when you know that you're here and that God has called you to there and you're not seeming to make any progress along the way. 
And the frustration, the gap between your reality and your expectations, the bigger that that gap is, the larger the frustration that, that comes into place. And that tension that's there, that tension that's there has worn out many of a fine man and woman in time. Many of a fine man and woman have, have lived in that tension to the place where they eventually just quit and walked away. They gave up on the promise that God had spoken over their life. But you've got to understand that our perspective is obstructed. You see, God speaks in past tense about the battle that you're currently fighting. When God spoke to, Jer- to, to Joshua and said, look, I've already given them into your hand, the perspective of what Joshua could see was a city in arms with tall walls and people at the top, soldiers on the inside ready for a fight. He did not see a victory, he saw a fight. Sometimes we're looking at our fights and God's saying it's a victory and you're saying, no, I'm still fighting with this thing. I'm still struggling with this addiction. I'm still dealing with these issues. My emotions are out of control. I I can't control this. I'm out of control here. And God is saying, I'm giving you the victory. And you can say, I don't feel like I have a victory. But sometimes you have to stand on what God has promised you. Sometimes you have to stand and say, okay, I don't feel the victory. I don't see the victory. But I'm going to believe that God is in the victory. Jericho was on lockdown and it looked impossible. I don't know if you know this, but impossible situations are not intimidating to God. Impossible situations are not intimidating to God. In fact, God tends to specialize in the impossible situations. The sign that somebody is, that something is tightly shut up in your life is not that you aren't going to get in. It might just be that the enemy is trying to keep you out. You see, Jericho was on lockdown because they had heard the Israelites. Some of the stuff that you're scared of is really scared of you. Some of the stuff that, that you think is, is scared of you, is, that you're scared of, is scared of you. God's given you something and then it's terrified. The enemy is terrified that you might get a hold of it. And he puts obstacles in your way. What is, what is God doing, speaking in past tense, about a battle that hasn't happened yet? It says that the city was tightly shut up in verse 1. But in verse 2 it says, I've given it into your hands. So what do you do when what you see isn't what God, what God has said? What do you do when what you see isn't what God has said? You can read about joy in the Bible, but you're still struggling with depression. You can, you can read about the blessings in life, but, but your bills, are, they're breaking you down. You can read about peace, but your home is full of turmoil. Sometimes what God says doesn't look like what you see. Sometimes what God says doesn't look like what you see. And the enemy loves to use your problems to block your perspective. See, but praise has a way of lifting your perspective. You know what they did for seven days? They praised God for seven days before they went into battle. You can look at Jehoshaphat in the Bible, a different battle. They led with the praise first. They led with the worship team first. That's going to be our strategy. We're going we're to get our worship team to go in front of us and we can hide behind them and They started with praise. I'm telling you, when, when you, when you start with praise when you're facing your obstacles, when you start praising God for how good he's been, how good he is, and how good he will be, he will elevate your perspective because you need your perspective elevated because the way that God sees things is not the way that you and I naturally see things, right? Like, like we see things from a human perspective at a human angle, but, but we need to be able to see things from God's perspective, The Bible says that God's way is higher than our ways. That God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. That that we need to be able to see things from the way that that he sees them. And sometimes that requires a little bit of faith to be able to see things that way. 
Sometimes we have to declare things that God has declared, even though we don't see things with our eyes yet. Praise has a way of lifting our perspectives. See, Jericho was a small city with tall walls. It was a well-defended city. Sometimes in order to be victorious, you must do something that looks ridiculous. Sometimes in order to be victorious, you have to do something that looks ridiculous. Coming to church is important because it helps you lift your perspective to see over the walls. Because when you're walking around life, it's easy to have the walls there. When you're walking around Jericho, the Jericho in your life, you can see the walls. They're right there. They limit your perspective. They limit your vision. They limit what you can see. It's well fortified. You're not sure how you're going to get in. What you're doing doesn't even make sense sometimes. But when you come to church, there's a couple things. You, you start to praise God with other fellow believers. I'm telling you, there's something supernatural that happens in the midst of your praise. That God starts to elevate your perspective at church to, to change your viewpoint. Starts to, to bring hope into a situation that would naturally be considered hopeless. The enemy will erect walls, but praise will lift your perspective to see into the promise that God has given you. Number two is this. Our progress isn't obvious. Our progress isn't obvious. You know, if, if I was God, which I'm not, and you should be grateful for that, but if I was God, I would handle the situation completely differently. I'm kind of a cheerleader naturally. I, I, I want to like, you're doing great. Keep up the good work. You're so amazing. That's a ha You know, and, and people who are, anyhow, I'm eternally an optimistic sometimes, to a fault. But if I was God, I think I would let a few bricks slide off the top of that wall every time they walked around. You know, like, like as they're walking around, they're like, good job, guys. Tink. Yeah, look, it's working. Keep it up. Keep up the good work, you know. I think I'd be cheering them on. And like every time they walk around, boom, hit, yeah, you knock it off. Ooh, look at that. You're knocking bricks off. You're seeing some progress. Keep it up. That's not what happened, though, right? There was zero progress along the way. They're just walking. Could you imagine that? A soldier, you're trained for battle, and, you, and, and your commander says, follow the music in the box and don't say a word. Like, imagine the camp at night. All the soldiers sitting around. Joshua's over in the commander's tent. They're in their little tents. They're like, has this guy gone bananas? I imagine by day five or, or day six, they're, they're, they're probably like, this guy has lost his ever-loving mind. Why aren't, shouldn't we like just, can we throw a rock while we're walking? Can we, can we just like shoot one arrow? Just one error. Let, let me do something, right? Let me do, let me do some sort of military strategy. That's what we're trained in. We know how there's no strategy. There's no strategy. Joshua, there's no strategy. What are you doing? I'm just doing what God told me to do. It looks ridiculous. It is that is never, never gonna work. You look at your circumstances in life, and the people who don't know God and don't know the ways of God will tell you that's ridiculous. It will never work. What are you doing? I'm, you know what? I'm just going to go pray about it. Why don't you stop praying about it and start working on it? Because I know that if I spend time in prayer about this, I'm engaging something supernatural that will over-amplify, exponentially amplify the natural that I do. I know that, 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 that 10 minutes in prayer is, is going to do more good than an hour working on something. Right? Like if you, people are like, well, you just, just stop praying. You got to start doing. You don't need to pray anymore. Just, just start doing something. You're not even do. you got to do more. No, I serve a God that tells me that I don't have to do more, that, that I need to pray and do the right things that God's asking me to do. I don't need to do everything. I just need to do the right things that God is doing. 
Listen, if the enemy can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he will put all kinds of things in your life to keep you doing this, that, and the other and and not doing the thing that God is asking you to do. And when you spend time in prayer and in worship and seeking the way of God, he tells you what steps to take. And when you take those steps, you become so much more efficient with your time. You're not doing everything that everybody thinks you should be doing but you're doing the thing that God is telling you to do. And when you start doing the thing that God is telling you to do, he starts to work supernaturally in your midst. I would try to keep him motivated, knock a brick off every now and again. But will you do God's will even when you don't think it's working? Will you do God's will even though you don't think it's working? Because I don't feel like it's working some days. Will you keep doing it? Will you pray when it feels like God isn't listening? You know, if every single time I prayed, it immediately came true, it got immediately delivered, I would never stop praying. I'd be praying for all kinds of things. If every single prayer that I prayed was like, like God, I just... I need, I need so-and-so to get healed from cancer. Boom. I need so-and-so to get, boom. I would just be praying nonstop. You know what? The line out the door to the church, people would be coming in to get received some sort of prayer. If every time that I prayed, the miracle happened every single time right when I wanted it to. God, where's that Ferrari? I need the Ferrari in my driveway. You know, and, or in my garage. So, but you know, like we're in Albuquerque. You can't leave that in the driveway. But you know, the, <laughs> you know, the Ferrari in the garage, right? Like, like if I'd be praying for, you know what I mean? Like if every time I prayed for something, it instantly happened, I would be praying constantly. So would you. But you stop praying because sometimes you're praying and you feel like there's no breakthrough. And God's saying, will you be obedient even when you don't see it? See, the outcome is God's responsibility. The outcome is God's responsibility. Can you trust God to, to, to be able to handle the outcome? Here's the thing is, your responsibility is obedience. Your responsibility is will you obey what God has told us to do, even though it maybe looks ridiculous, maybe it looks like it's not accomplishing what you actually want it to accomplish. And will you trust God with the outcome? It's so hard to do. It's easy to stand here. Mm, I feel the Lord. <laughs> Trust them in the outcome. And all you got to do is the obedience. Yes, amen, brother, let's go. No, that, that's easy to say. It's easy to stand up here and to be able to preach it. It's easy to sit in the audience and think, yeah, that sounds really great. Yeah, I can read my Bible. I can see what happens. But can you actually do it when you're actually called to do it? If you could master just this one thing in your life, it would be life-changing. Just because your faith isn't obvious doesn't mean it's not working. You gotta take another lap, even when the progress isn't evident. You gotta do something in order to win. I mean, faith without works is dead, right? Works alone doesn't get it either. Can you have the combination of faith and works? Can, can you take the steps that God is calling you to take? Can you take another lap around the city when everybody says, what are you doing? When your enemy is mocking you from the top of the walls. I imagine they were hurtling insults. Maybe rotten tomatoes. They were probably making fun of them from the top of the walls, laughing at them. What are you doing? You going to start a dance? You going to disco? You got the music. You're just going to walk around us to death? Seems like, like what, what are they going to, they're probably hurtling insults. I would be if I was up there. I'd be hurtling insults at these guys. Trying to get them to blink, trying to get them to flinch. Can I get them to do something? 
But they didn't. They just, they just said, I'm just going to be obedient to what God's asking me to do. I'm just going to walk around the walls. Can you walk around the walls when it looks ridiculous? Can you walk around the walls when, when it seems like it's pointless? Can you walk around the walls when it seems like there's no progress? Can, can you do what God's asked you to do when, when, you, when you don't know if, if it's even working? Progress is motivating. But maybe God doesn't want you to know if it's working because there's a deeper work that he wants to do in you. Amen. Maybe he doesn't want you to know what's happening on the other side of the wall. You see, sometimes we want our promise now, and God's saying, I'm fixing something on the other side of the wall right now. Right. And if you had it right now, it would mess you up. Sometimes God is saying, I, you want the promise right now. I'm fixing something in you right now. Because if I gave you the full promise of what I have for your life, you wouldn't be able to handle it. Something would crumble. You wouldn't handle the weight. You've got to get stronger to be able to handle what I'm trying to hand to you. You kind of need to be less focused on the outcome and more focused on the obedience. Sometimes the best strategy is to just shut up and march. People ask, well, what do, you, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I don't know. I'm just doing what God told me to do, and I'm just going to keep praying. I'm just going to keep reading the Word. I'm just going to keep doing it. Doing the basics is what wins championships in sports. Just, just being really good at the small disciplines is what, what makes the great stand out. The LeBron James, James is of basketball. He doesn't work on his 360-degree alley-oop slam dunk thing all day long. He doesn't work on, Michael Jordan didn't work on how to stick his tongue out better when he was doing the free throw line thing, right? The dunk. He didn't work on that. He worked on his dribbling and his basics all day long. When you look at the, the, the stars in the NFL, they don't work on the superhuman crazy stuff all day long. They work on the basics all day long because they know that if you can master the basics, the rest of it starts to happen. In our faith, it needs to be the same way. Like we've got to learn how to master the basics. We've got to learn how to do it. And it feels like you're walking around a wall pointlessly. Why do I spend every morning reading the Bible? Some days I get something out of it. Some days I don't. That's true. Some days I read the Bible and I do it. And I'm like, because I know that God's, that's the discipline I should have in my life. And there's days I read the Bible. I'm like, that was nice. I just walked around the wall with zero progress. The next day I read, read the Bible. Yeah, that was nice. A couple days later, I might read the Bible and be like, wow, God just did something amazing in my life through what I read in the Bible. But if I hadn't been reading it on a consistent basis, I wouldn't have gotten to that thing that God was trying to do in me. Can we do the basics? I mean, I mean the basics of our faith. Can, can we share the gospel? I mean, the Great Commission was to go and, and, and to preach the gospel and, and to make disciples and baptize people. And Can we go? Can we just go? Can we just say something? Can we just share our faith a little? Can we invite someone to church? Can, can, we, can we just do the, the little things? Because you invite, and they say no, and you invite, and they say no, and you invite, and they say no. And then you just stop inviting because nobody wants to go to church. But if you keep going, and you keep reaching, and you keep preaching, and you keep talking about Jesus, and you keep, pretty soon, somebody's like, yeah, I'll go to church with you. And the inside, you're like, yes! And the outside, you're like, no, that's cool, man. Yeah, I can... I mean, if, if you want to, we can, you know. <laughs> J 
Joshua didn't tell them how long they had to do this. Wouldn't it be nice to know how many laps you had to go? Wouldn't it be nice to know how many laps were left in the promise you're chasing? The thing that God gave you? The disciplines that you're executing on day in and day out? The prayers that you've been praying for years and years and years? Wouldn't it be nice to know you just have two more days left before the breakthrough? Wouldn't it be nice to know? I want to know, but I don't. God doesn't tell us the timeline. He tells us what to do. And can you be obedient even when you don't know how long it's going to take? You might be on lap six and you don't even know it. Wouldn't it be a shame to quit when you're this close? Because you can't stop on lap six. You can't walk by what you see. The Bible says you walk by faith. Can you walk on faith? Can you walk on on what you don't see? Because what I see tells me that nothing's happening. What I see tells me that, that there is no progress. What I see is that people are mocking me. I feel like an idiot. I'm doing this thing. I'm dreaming about this dream that God's put into my heart. But, but, and, and this city is going to fall, but I don't know when. And I'm just going to keep doing it over and over and over. You can't walk by what you see. You, you can't give up because it doesn't feel good. Because it doesn't feel good some days. You can't let people talk you out of it. You, you can't let your emotions control your future. There's a promise that God has made you and a, pro- <clears throat> and a problem is in the way. How much longer? Say, I want to wave the white flag. I want to just throw in the towel. I want to just give up and move on. Oftentimes when people want to give up and move on, what they're really saying is, I just want to give up and move back. Because we have fond memories of yesterday, of how easy it was back then. Because of our rose-colored glasses, we have minimized the trials we faced then and over-amplified the successes of our past. We do it constantly. It's the human condition that we look back and see that way. And so we look at the current thing we're facing and we start to think these trials are too big and maybe the promise on the other side of this isn't even as big as I was hoping. Maybe what I'm really dealing with here is really high trials and really low promise. What if it's not worth it? What if the payout isn't there? What, what if it never happens? And as you're walking around in circles, feeling ridiculous, you can easily remember and let your mind drift back to the things that, that were once successful. You can drift back and say, well, why can't I just go back to that? That was amazing. That, that, that worked so well. Don't throw in the white flag. The white, don't wave the white flag. Don't throw in the towel. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10 says this, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You don't have to like it to do it. You don't have to like it to do it. There's a lot of things in life I don't like doing. I don't like paying the bills, but I do it. I don't like it. I don't really like going to the gym as much as I do, but I do it. There's a lot of things you don't like that you got to do. See, it's in the presence of circling that God has prepared you for his promise. It's possible to begin in God's will and start to lose the fortitude to finish what God has given you. You can start the race, but can you finish the race that he set before you? You've got to persevere to receive the promise. Because our progress 
It isn't obvious sometimes. It'd be a shame to stop on number six. So I think I'll pick myself up and I'm going to keep on walking. Here's what I found. If you act like every lap is your last lap, one day it is. Oh, man, that lap wasn't it. It's going to be this one. I can feel it. You know what? I'm just going to live like this is my last lap. And at the end of the lap, it isn't. Well, it wasn't that one. I'm one closer. Maybe this is my last lap. I'm going to live like it's this last one. God, I need you to give me the strength to be able to take this lap again. Because it might be my last one. God, I, I, I don't have the strength to go one more. But God, I know that you do. Will you give me the strength to be able to do this? Give me the strength. You see, in the end of the day, all of this lapping and walking, it's really God saying, can you lean on me? Can you obey me? Can you follow me? When your eyesight says one thing, but your voice of the Lord is saying another, which one are you going to listen to? Which one are you going to follow? Which way are you going to go? Are you going to quit because of what your eyes can see? Or are you going to say, I'm going to keep going because I want to know what the Lord has spoken? The last point is this, and if the band wants to come, we're going to wrap it up. Number three is the process is open-ended. I didn't think it would take this long. I didn't think it would hurt like this. How much longer do I have to do this? See, I think if God let them in the city on day one, they would think that it was their walking that did it. If God just gave you the promise on day one, I think, he would think you would think that it was your walking that did it. If every time I prayed a prayer, that thing I prayed for happened instantly, I think that pretty soon I would think that it was my prayer that did it, not God's provision that did it. Right, because we would start to realize that if, if, I, if I think it's me, then I can just cut God out of the equation altogether. God was saying, no, 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 don't fool yourself. It's not you, it's me. I'm the one that's going to open these doors, not you. If I let you in the city on day one, you'd think it was your way, your walking that let you in, that it was your shout that brought the walls down. You've got to have the faith to take another lap. Because he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete a good work in you. All through the Bible, you see how numbers are tied to certain things. And if you've ever studied this, the number six is actually tied to the works of man. And number seven is tied to the number of God. So on lap six, we want to wave our flag of surrender. When you say in lap six, God, I just can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm out of energy. I have done everything that I can do. Now what? God says, now, now I can do something. Because you know that it wasn't you. So take another lap. You're closer than you think you are. It's funny, you, you get the promise of God in your life and, and, and you know that God has spoken and, and you're, you've got the dream in your heart that you know God has put you there. Lap one's fun, isn't it? I'm so excited. I'm going to skip around the wall. I got the promise. God's good. Amen, brother. Yes, it's good. God's great, you know. Finish lap number one. Okay, God, now what? Now what? Take another lap. Okay. All right, I got this. I got this. My feet are getting a little tired, but I, I got this. No problem here at all. I'll just keep going. I got a little pep in my step. I can just keep going around the wall. Number three, you're like, oh, man, the struggle's real. This is a long wall to be walking around. Feet are getting a little sore, getting a little, a little tired. 
Number four, God, this is getting hard. Lap number four, God, is this, is this even working? Did you even tell me to do this? I don't, I'm, I, maybe I just misunderstood you, God. That's, that's four, four times. I've, I don't know if I can just keep going. This just seems, at this point, really dumb, God. Like, like what are you doing? Hello? God, are you even out there? Did you just leave me here to walk in circles like a moron? My friends are making fun of me. My enemies are taunting me. I'm getting nowhere in life. God, what is going on? I feel like I'm spinning my wheels in complete frustration. Lap number six. This is stupid. (laughs) I am tired. I'm frustrated. What am I doing here? I just can't keep going like this. Take another lap. Number seven, my strength is gone. I've given up hope. Joshua's gone crazy telling us to do this thing. God, why? I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. (laughs) What am I doing here? (laughs) I've lost everything, lost all my hope. I don't know what to do. God, I got nothing. I have nothing, God. Nothing except for you. And that's when God says, now I can work in you. Now I can do something. Now that you have exhausted every resource that you've had, now, now, that, now that you know, that you know that it isn't you, I can do something. Listen, God wants to bring a breakthrough in your life, but, but I'm telling you that sometimes we just get so frustrated that we want to quit. Some of us, the path to quitting has become a well-traveled road in our life. We just quit. That's the pattern. When the going gets tough, I just go home and start over again. Because I, I remember back in the day when that was fun. And I go back to that fun thing, and then pretty soon I encounter all the obstacles that I encountered last time. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is when God's trying to do a work in your heart, he will lead you back to the same set of tough circumstances. They'll look different. The boss will have a different name. The company will be a different logo. Um, but the character issue that he's trying to develop inside of you will be there. And he will be trying to confront that because he knows that he, if he can change that in you, then you can actually attain the promise that he's given you. He can give you what, you what he's trying to give you if he can change that thing inside of you. If you're the person who's always bumping your head against the same thing all the time, I want to tell you don't quit because God's doing something. You might not see it, but he's doing it. And the sooner that you get to the place of saying, God, I can't, but I know that you can, and I'm going to put all of my trust and faith in you to get me through this, the sooner that you become reliant on him and stay faithful in the obedience of what he's told you to do, the sooner you'll have the breakthrough because that's the result that he's looking for. Reminds me of a story of um, the mushrooms and the cat. This couple is out hiking in the hills in California and and, uh, they go pick some mushrooms. They're like, these mushrooms look delicious. I'm gonna pick these. They invite some friends over. They saute them up in the pan and then they're cooking up this meal with the mushrooms and they smell amazing. Everybody's like, this is gonna be incredible. And so they're all eating dinner Everything's just fine. They feed some leftovers to the cat. They're hanging out, playing some board games. They look over. The cat's laying on the ground, foaming at the mouth. 
they all freak out. The guests are like, where'd you get, where, where'd you get the mushrooms? I don't know, on the side of a mountain. They are panicking. They're panicking. Like, I'm, I don't know what's, so they, they, they run to the hospital and, and they get their stomachs pumped and, and they're, they're checked in and they're doing all this testing and, and, and trying to figure out what the problem is. And they're like, we can't find anything. The, the mushrooms you ate weren't bad. I'm not sure what the problem is. And, and so after a long night in the hospital, they come back home to discover their cat is laying on the ground surrounded by a litter of kittens. <laughs> Sometimes the pain of birth is mistaken as the pain of death. The pain that you're in right now, I believe that oftentimes that pain is God trying to do something and birth something in your life. And we mistake it as the pain of death. And we walk away and we run away. And we try to get away and we try to quit. Church, don't quit. Keep going. Keep pushing. Don't be misled by what you see, but rely on what God sees. Will you bow your heads? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you that you're with us always. God, we thank you that, that you are always here with us. Um, and God, and that, and, that, and that even in the midst of our struggles and our trials and our pain, that you are here. God, God, it, your, your word doesn't say it's going to be easy, but it says that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And so, God, we just rely on you. As we circle the walls in our life, as we look at the things that seem impossible to us, God, we just submit our lives to you say, God, we choose to rely on you. You might be here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. Or maybe you did and you walked away and you've been gone for a very, very long time. You know, surrendering to Jesus is, is as easy as ABC. A, you just admit your sins and say, yeah, I've fallen short of a God standard for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. B is you believe, you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he made a way where there was no other way for you to be back in relationship with God. And C is this, is you confess him as the Lord and Savior of your life. It's easy as A, B, C. Right now, if you're in that place and you say, today is the day that I want, that I need to make that decision. Nobody's looking around. You just, we just kind of look up at me and put your hand up and just say, yeah, that's me. I want to know who I'm praying with this morning. That's me. Is that you this morning? Is that you this morning? Amen. Amen. Here's the thing. We pray this prayer every week. People says, Pastor, do people get saved every week? No, they don't. They don't get saved every week. We're going to pray it in just a minute. And, and maybe, maybe you didn't raise your hand and maybe you're saying, I need to make this decision. But for everyone here that's part of our church and you're like, why do you do this every week? I do this every week because I, I believe that I'm teaching you how to do this in your everyday life. There are people that that need Jesus and they don't need me to lead them to, to Jesus they need you to lead them to Jesus and it's as easy as ABC admit you're a sinner believe in Jesus confess him as Lord ABC it's that simple so maybe you're here this morning and you didn't put your hand up you're embarrassed or you didn't want to say anything here's what we're going to do as a church we're going to pray a prayer and I want you to repeat and pray with us and we're going to pray it together and support with you so, here we go. Will you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner. That what I have done has separated me from you. I choose to believe that you died on the cross to pay the price of my sins and that you rose again so that I might have new life in you. Today, I confess that you are Lord. 
and I choose to make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Help me to follow you all of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with those who made a decision to follow Jesus. If you made that decision, I want to know about it. You can text in decided into the office and, and it will help you on your next journeys. You can just talk to me in the lobby on the way out. Let me know you made that decision. I want to pray with you and, and kind of help you on your next steps. Guys, here's, here's something that, that I need your help with is this, is that we are launching two services next Sunday. Two services next Sunday. I, I'm really excited about it. And, and, and I don't ask you guys to do this kind of stuff very often. In fact, I probably only do this once a year, but here's what, what I need your help. I need your help to invite a thousand of your closest friends to come to church next Sunday. I'm telling you, and this is how we're going to do it, because um, uh, we all have access, maybe not all of us, maybe it's 100 or 200, but, but here's what, here's what I'm, I'm going to ask, is that will you be willing to shoot a video, 60 seconds or less, on your phone, no fancy lighting, something very simple, and this is what I'm going to do, and if everybody were to do this on, on Monday, Monday morning, we would send a ripple through our community, and here's what, here's what the video I want you to say is, is this, is, is something really simple, this is why I go to this church. For you, it might be, my marriage has never been stronger. It might be, I've struggled with depression, and, and when I come to church, God fills my heart with hope. Maybe for you, it's to have anxiety, but God brings a peace into my life. Something short. Why do you go to this church? Number two, tell them, this is this, you shoot that video, say, this is why I go to City Church, and I want to invite you. Next week is a historic week in our church because we are going from one service to two services, and I want to invite you to come to church with me. That's simple. Here's why I go to this church, and I want to invite you to come to church with me. When you post it, put a link to the website. Just invite people. It's going to be at 9 o'clock and 1045. Our website will have all the details of, of the times and locations. If you're willing to do that, would you help me? Just say, yeah, I'm willing to do that. I'll shoot a video. Yeah, okay, you got hands. Yeah, people are like, right, I'm willing to put a little video up on the Instagram or, or, on, or on Facebook. That's fantastic. Listen, if we all were to just do a quick video, here's why I go to the church. Will you just come to church with me? Next week is going to be incredible. Um, you don't want to miss out. Plus, we're giving away free ice cream sundaes. I don't know if you heard about that. So even if they're sending for the ice cream, that's cool. So we have ice cream sundaes, and God is doing amazing things in our church. And, and I really believe that, that next week can be a, a moment in history for our church where we all bring someone and that people are going to get saved and, and get baptized like they've been getting saved and baptized. And, and, um, and so church, guys, this is, a big, this is a big shift. Can you help out? Can you help us to spread the word? We're going to spread. I'm doing everything I can to spread it from my efforts. But if you can help on your efforts, we can have a massive impact in our city in just one weekend. So come on, church, will you stand with me? Let's sing one last song before we leave this morning.